Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we are exploring what it means to be content and how being in a state of satisfaction can help us cultivate a more intentional and happier life. This conversation is a clip from episode 129, where I speak with best-selling author and creative Jamie Varon, who is recognized for her writings on how to build a life you really love, and whose words have been featured in the Huffington Post, Medium, Teen Vogue, Forbes, and more. And in our conversation, we discuss insights from Jamie's best-selling book called Radically Content, Being Satisfied in an Endlessly Dissatisfied World to help you opt out of societal expectations and give you the tools to create a more satisfied every day. If you are ambitious, but often find yourself feeling discontent despite your achievements and productivity, and or if you simply find yourself continually saying, I will be happy when this conversation is for you. You will learn how to untangle yourself from social pressures, including hustle culture, so that you can find who you are outside of your accomplishments and ambitious goals. Be inspired to unlearn the behaviors that cause discontentment and start embracing what you have and where you are today. Be happy now while you pursue your wildest ambitions. Okay. So I remember reading your articles when I was a little bit younger and found one article that I bookmarked so long ago. And I was like, oh my goodness, that was Jamie. I was like, wow. I mean, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this is great. I mean, it went full circle. I was like, I, I love that. Well, I have to say, I absolutely loved reading your book. It was so calming. And I would say one of the most relatable pieces I've ever read. It just put me at ease. And so I am so excited to share it with our listeners today because I know they're going to love it. I literally could cry. So Aww. I'm so happy to hear that. I mean, you know, that's the thing that I wanted the most was I didn't want someone to read the book and feel, you know, that I've read these kinds of books and I walk away feeling so stressed out, like, oh my God, I have so much to do now. Cause I'm not, you know, they've given me this huge list of 300 pages of things I haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, I want to write the opposite of that where like you walk away just feeling like, actually I'm good. I have some things I want to work on, but I'm I'm doing really good. Uh, that was like the main thing. So that really makes me happy to hear that. So in your writings, you work to inspire people to build a satisfied, contented, and happy life that opts out of what you call the societal shoulds. And in your book, you help us unlearn the societal conditioning that may be keeping us from being satisfied. And you give us the tools to start cultivating more meaningful lifestyles. And so I'm hoping you can start by sharing a brief background on your career as a writer and creative and the time that you began to feel dissatisfied with your work, despite all your great accomplishments. Yeah. I mean, I spent most of my twenties just ambitious. I fully got myself into a hustler. I like hustle. I don't give up. I, I really felt that like my ambition was my, that was something that was so precious to me. But then I, you know, 
with the ambition, I started to feel every single time I would accomplish something, it just didn't feel like it was enough. And at first I was like, well, maybe I just need to keep pushing. I thought I just haven't accomplished enough yet that it feels like enough. And so I was like, okay, keep going, chugging along, you know? And then I finally got to that place where I was kind of in my like thirties, like, uh, well, I would say like I turned 30 and then my early thirties, it just really hit me. I was like, I have done so much and I still, I'm like, where, where's my happiness? Like, where am I going to feel good? And like, it's enough. And when do I just get to like be in my life as opposed to not only working all the time, but also if I'm not working, I'm at least being anxious about the things I have to be doing, which like mm-hmm. our anxiety sometimes can feel kind of like weirdly productive. Cause it's like, well, at least I'm I'm anxious about it. You know, I'm doing something. I haven't given up. And I was like, there's got to be a better way because I was thinking my whole life, the equation was like, achieve these things, become this impressive person, and then you get to be happy. You get to be okay. And then you can focus on maybe some of the other areas of your life. Like you got to sacrifice, you got to work hard. It's going to be hard and all of this. And I was like, I think it's a lie. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) wait a second. I think I've been lied to. Like for real, I was just like, whoa. And I I just kind of started like interrogating that and then started to see, I was like, wait, I'm not even that productive. I'm not showing up for myself in any other way, except like I'm just fixated on my ambition. I'm not like feeling healthy and energized in my life. Like people would say like, follow what lights you up. And I'd be like, what? No, come on. (laughs) Like you follow what's going to get you to the next impressive thing. And I just had this really big realization. And I was like, I really, and I knew, I knew other people were feeling the same way. It wasn't one of those things where I was like, I think I'm alone in this. I knew that this was something that we were being like, plagued by, because I think we grew up as like, put your passion first, always go after your passion. And while that was really good, I think that that's a nice change from like, just do what you can to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. I think it also got in our head a lot. And then we had this, we have this pressure to like make it before we're 30, like as if that's just this magical cutoff time where you're just done after that. Like what happens after 30? Nobody knows. But, you know, we just keep on living actually is what happens. So I think it just was this really big realization for me where I was like, I think there's got to be a way for me to be happy and really proud of myself for where I'm at, but also leave space for my bigger dreams. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I mean, I was just searching. This was probably around like 2016, 2017. And I was in a searching mode. I wasn't really like, I have all the answers. And so radically content ends up being like the culmination of that searching. Cause I was like, there's gotta be a better way. And I started thinking of this like idea of like satisfied lives and being content. And I'd have, I had this big block around contentment. Cause I was like, well, it makes you complacent. Right. And then you'll get lazy and then you won't achieve anything. Like I realized actually through kind of like going through all of this, I was like, what's going to motivate me to do more and achieve more if I like myself? And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, why am I holding my own regard for myself hostage so that I'll achieve more, hoping it'll make me happy and like myself more? I'm like, 
why don't I just like myself and then see what happens? And I, I fully, it was like probably around 2017 where I just, I stopped writing. I stopped being ambitious. I really set it all down. And I was like, let's just see what happens if I just sort of chill out, you know, and like try to be content, try to be happy with where I'm at because I've already done so much. Like I felt like I was running around. I mean, by the time I turned 30, it was like, I had done so much and I was still like, it's not enough. It's not enough. I got to do more. I hadn't done this and this and this. And so that really opened my eyes. And then I started to notice that like the more content I became in my everyday life, the more that I built, like I'm going to find joy in the everyday, like find joy in the simplicity, like find, find all these like habits and rituals that really supported myself and like took care of my, my mind and my body and everything, instead of like, you know, ignoring those things to achieve more, I was like, I'm doing more. Like I was writing more consistently. Mm -hmm. Everything was more consistent. Everything was calmer. And I was like, Whoa, I think I like discovered, I mean, I don't think it's like totally new, but I was like, I think I discovered something that, you know, we either get this advice of like, totally live off the grid. Don't have, you know, kind of like don't even go try really, you know, just live your own life, which is totally fine. Or it's like hustle, grind, crush it. And I was like, where's the middle? Absolutely. Yeah. Where's the middle? I mean, in your book, you talk about I'll be happy when you used to say that to yourself. And obviously there was a point where you hit, this is impossible and I'm just going to be happy now. But when you, when you told yourself or when you had that moment, I'm sure there was a transition involved. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about other people in my life. I remember my mom always says, oh, just relax, go into it. Just, you know, don't stress. And when you do that, there's this guilt that you feel. And I'm sure you can relate to this. You're like, oh, but I'm going slower. I should feel anxious, you know, but actually at the end of the day, when you don't have that mental clutter, you'll actually be more efficient. <laughs> That's the thing. I thought that I was like pushing myself to be more productive. And I'm like, the more chill that I've become, that's when, and the more content I've been in my everyday life, the more my life has like exploded in all the ways that I thought was going to happen before when I was so like, now I don't need it in the same way and I'm able to enjoy it. But absolutely. I mean, I still sometimes can fall into the, I'll be happy when I get this thing. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wait, (laughs) we don't think that way anymore. You know, like I, I, I think that that's a really important point of saying that, like, maybe someone would look at me as like, you don't have those thoughts anymore, or they just go away. They don't, they don't, it still comes up. You just have the tools to sort of, I call it like a redirection. It's like, okay, this is my first conditioned thought. Is like, I'll be happy when I get this thing that I saw this person on Instagram has. And then I have to stop myself and go, we don't believe that anymore. Let's redirect this. What are you craving for real? What's, you know, what's at the heart of this? And because I definitely, I feel a sense of, I felt a sense of guilt whenever I would like rest or take time off or anything. Cause I was like, well, I'm not happy yet. I'm not there yet. But then you realize you're like, what's, what's there? What's the there? When do we know? When's enough? When do we feel it? It's like, then you realize you're like, wait, these things don't have definitions. And I'm just chasing after a thing that I can't ever get. And am I even going to be happy when I get there? Right? Like you don't know. It's, It's so fascinating how this works. You don't know. And then 
a lot of times I feel like we then have the opposite end where someone does get the thing that they think is going to make them so happy. And then they feel guilt that they don't feel so happy, you know, that they're like, well, this is still, you know, it's like, even if you get all your dreams come true and you never have to even question, it's, it's still like, you still work. You still have to like go to the grocery store. You still have to do your like mundane things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away. So this idea of like, I'll be happy when is just pure escapism that we think is motivation. Mm -hmm. And, and like you, I really, really struggled with feeling content, especially in my twenties. I always felt like I was in this race with my peers, especially with my ambitions and, you know, the media saying, oh, you know, 30 under 30, 40 under 40. It's that pressure. You're like, oh, well I want to be there. And if you're not there, you feel the pressure to work more harder. And at the end of the day, like, are you working harder? Are you working smarter? So since adopting this lifestyle, I've realized that I should really slow down, like removing the mental, uh, the clutter in my space, but also that helps with the mental clutter. And I feel more at peace and I feel more at peace with moving at my own pace and not just with my studies and the work that I do, but also in my personal life. I mean, I have girlfriends who are like, oh, you know, I turned 35 and a lot of my friends are like, oh, well, do you feel the pressure to have kids, get married like right now? And I said, no. No, I'm going at my own pace. I feel quite at ease and, and it actually gives them ease. <laughs> like this is amazing. Right. So I, I'm curious though, but for you, what were some of the societal pressures that were keeping you dissatisfied? That's a great question. I mean, I think the a big one was having a book published by the time I was 30 and I'm 36 now, so I didn't do it, you yeah. know, and that's, that's fine. I'm actually happy with the way that it all turned out. But at the time before I turned 30, I was like, I think it's over now. Like I'll never publish a book. When I was 29, about to turn 30, I for sure thought I will never, ever publish a book. That is the, that's the end of it, you know? And I mean, now I'm 36 publishing a book. So hmm, I wasn't right. And I had convinced myself and society had convinced me that I was right. And I agree with you in that it was all the 30 under 30s. I mean, now they do 18 under 18. You're like, good Lord, give yeah. us a break. You know, it's like, yeah. why? I, I want to see 50 over 50. Like, let's do that. You know, 60 over 60. Like, let's see something. Let's give some hope. We don't need to see more of like, youthful achievement being just this like standard for everything. And I definitely, definitely had an age thing with that kept me really dissatisfied. Definitely some things with money of like feeling like I needed to have more money at a certain age or a certain time or a certain point in my career, things like, you know, not having like the body you're supposed to have that kept me really feeling like, well, I can't possibly convince myself that I am happy if I'm not thin, you know, that was a big one, big one that kept me really dissatisfied. Cause I always felt like I grew up thinking that's when your life gets to start was like, once you lose the weight, then you get to have the life that every you think you're supposed to have. And so it was always like either rebelling against that or feeling very, um, like I'm not allowed to have, I'm not allowed to begin. And so that was, that was probably, I would say the biggest one that was really entrenched 
and took a long time to really unlearn and start to see that like, I don't have to wait, you know, I, and my body can fluctuate. It can do what it's going to do, but it's not going to dictate what I'm going to tell myself is possible, what I should have at a certain time, um, how happy I should be able to feel in my life, how proud of my achievements I should feel or anything like that. And I think that was probably, you know, that sort of had a lot of tangents in my life and that, and the age thing, I definitely felt a lot of pressure. I think that's why my twenties, I felt like I was like running towards 30 Mm -hmm. of like, let me get it all figured out, you know? And what's weird is like, everyone has different things. Like I didn't have any pressure to like get married, but then of course I get married at 25. It's like, you know, I didn't have any of that, um, of the, like, I need to get married before I'm 30, but I've had friends who they had that pressure and then it didn't work out because they Mm. felt, they realized like I was just trying to get in before I was 30. Um, so I, I just like, I love that you don't have, and I love like when we have these conversations with friends where you're just like, no, I don't feel that. And then you're right. They get to go, you can just decide that. Yeah. Like you can, you can decide to not opt into what everyone is saying. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, there's a way of managing it. I think a lot of us can relate to negative self-talk and my co-hosts and I are constantly managing it. And even just talking to our, each other really, really helps us. So having that friend is, is helpful, but I can tell you that I've struggled with always feeling not good enough in ways. And I think that is one of the things that kind of lights the fire under me to be the ambitious person that I am because it's, it's that, Oh, I want to prove myself and I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it, but I, I need to manage it better. And I, I, I am managing it and I'm trying to figure out ways, but, uh, I mean, I, I know in your journey and I'm curious about this, you had a moment in your life where you really stepped back. So you took a pause. You mentioned that earlier. You took a pause. I read, I believe you you went to France between 2017 and 18. And what was that experience like? And, and how did that lead you to a deeper level of satisfaction within yourself? That pause was everything because I felt like I didn't know how to even engage with my dreams, my ambition, anything anymore. Cause I I was very similar of like, I just don't think I'm good enough and I'm doing the proving and it's driving, I'm going up and down, you know, especially with things like social media. It's like, if something takes off, you're excited. If something doesn't get as many likes as you expected, now you're dealing and grappling with, well, I, I'm not good enough. And then I am good enough. And then I'm not good enough. And it's just, you know, it's a seesaw, right? And I was just so tired of feeling stressed and anxious. And I just was like, I don't think any of this is worth it. You know, like, I don't think achieving these things, I don't know what I'm proving. I don't know who I'm proving it to anymore. I don't know. I've lost my passion for it. I just feel it was probably now that there's much more, um, a lot more information about burnout out there. I was probably burnt out, you know, and I didn't realize it. I just didn't have a word for it and I didn't know what was going on, but I was definitely just burnt out. I mean, that's a, not just burnt out. We know if anyone's been truly burnt out, I mean, you're just, you're not effective. You're not effective. You're not happy. You don't have hope. 
You're not excited. You know, like there was nothing that I was like even looking forward to anymore. It was just like, Oh, I got to get to the next, got to get to the next. And I mean, I, I took a pause, but let's, let's be real. I also had to make money (laughs) and I, you know, so I worked too. I have a design company where I took on it was more like I stopped having all the side hustles, you know, cause I've always had my design company, my web design company since like 2009. And I was just working with clients. I was making money, paying off debt. Cause that was another thing I gotten myself into debt because I was like, well, one day, one mm. day, you know? And I was like, one day's not coming, babe. Like you gotta get your, you gotta get your stuff together now, you know? And so I really had to just root myself in the present. And I think that was probably the most important thing and spending 2018 in France. I mean, the French culture, there's a lot of great things about the French culture in that they are extremely present and they know how to really enjoy the day. And having that as opposed to America, where if you want to be present and enjoy the day, you have to go against the society, Mm -hmm. which is hard sometimes because you're like, you're always going against the tide. Whereas when we went to, when my husband and I went to France, I was like, oh, I'm in the tide now. Like I just get to coast with the, with the people that, you know, it's like, they don't think it's weird to go to the park in the middle of the day and like read a book on the grass for two hours. They're like, no, that's the, that's the day. Like, that's what you do. Right. And it really taught me a lot because I was like, wow, this is a totally different experience of life. And I had already spent a lot of time in Europe, but that something of like where I was at in my life at that point, and because I was in this pause, it just really clicked in, in a different way. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is really helping me see that you have to like, I always say to myself, I'm like, be in the day you're in, you Mm. have to be in the day, be present here while also, you know, putting in the time for your dreams. And I had to really, I think that whole process was me letting go of this idea of like ever being able to prove to myself that I was good enough. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's just not. We're not doing that game anymore because there's no way to really measure it. And, you know, we try to measure it. We'll go, okay, maybe by Instagram followers. I tried that. I've gotten lots of followers and it doesn't ever really tell you, okay, now you're good enough because, you know, you have like this many followers and then this person has a million followers and you're like, you'll compare yourself to the next tier up always, (laughs) always like, okay, (laughs) you know, and I like, it's just it's always going to happen. So if you're measuring, if you're measuring, you're always above someone or below someone. And I was like, I'm off the ladder. That's Mm -hmm. what I did. I was just like, I'm off the ladder. I'm not playing the good enough game. I'm just going to figure out a way to engage with all of this without that. So that's how I started like focusing, like with my writing, instead of sitting down and being like, okay, write a sentence. And if it's good enough, we're going to feel good today. And if it's not, we're not. Instead, it was very, just be consistent, just write every day or like write the amount of times you say you're going to write. If you say like it started in France, I had not written anything for like, I think two or three years. And then when I was in France, I got this idea and I was like, I'm going to start a newsletter. I'm just going to write every Friday. I'm going to call it Friday letters. I'm not even going to care if anyone subscribes. I'm just going to write what I want to write. 
I'm just going to sit down on a Friday morning at a coffee shop and write whatever comes out. And I'm going to stick to that. I'm not going to miss it. And I didn't ask myself to write every single day and write for 10 hours a day. You know, I just was like one morning a week (laughs) and that helped because instead of focusing on being good enough, I just focused on, am I doing it? Like, am I actually writing this essay or, you know, this letter to people sending it out and being done with it? And that became, I was like, whoa. And I realized I was like, that feels so much better to me than being like, okay, I'm going to write this on Friday. And if I don't think it's good enough and I don't get enough replies and I don't get enough shares, then maybe next week I won't even do it. And then maybe the next... It's just, that breaks my, like, that makes me like almost nauseous thinking about it now because that's how I used to be so bad. And I would feel so out of control with myself, you know, like I couldn't, I didn't feel safe with myself with that. Once I started focusing on the consistency, I was like, okay, just like, just the way that like anyone would learn an instrument, you're just practicing you're building a skill, it'll come easier. Like you're getting better with putting the practice in. Like, it's not about being good enough. It's not about getting someone's approval. It's not about proving anything. It's just doing it for you because you have this thing that lights you up and makes you excited, which is writing, you know? And so that really changed a lot for me, but I don't think I would have gotten there had I not taken that pause because I was just so in my own head about everything. You write in your book that this new foundation of gratitude helped you work on your dreams from a different place. And that is the best example. That's exactly what it did. And I find it really interesting that the the French culture, they made you feel more relaxed, like you could go at your own pace because there wasn't that hustle culture as much. I mean, people, people very much, they work to live there rather than mm-hmm. the opposite, right? And, you know, you were already working for yourself. So you were already different than most people in the workforce. But moving the conversation over, I used to see the idea of contentment as a bad thing. Admittedly, I remember mm-hmm. challenging a guy saying, no, I don't want to be content. He's like, no, contentment is a good thing. I was like, no, it's not. There's no way. It means that you're complacent. You're not ambitious, but I was obviously completely wrong. So how would you describe contentment and what does it mean to you to be radically content? I I think people still feel this way about contentment, which is why I titled my book this way, because I wanted it to be, people were like, huh? I thought contentment was not a good Like, we're not trying to be content. We're trying to strive and hustle and all of this. And we're made for more and everything. And it's like, "Mm, Mm. let's, let's talk about this. So I think contentment in some ways can lead to complacency. It could, I mean, it depends on, but then I don't think that's a bad thing. I think now, because if you're striving and hustling to try to be happy, but then if you stop striving and stop hustling and you're happy, go like, great, you know, then you already did it and you don't have to stress over all the things that you think were trying to make you happy. You know, some people, I would love to give permission to people to have like a much simpler, slower life than maybe they think they're supposed to have because we're like consuming social media and seeing everybody else's big lives that we think we're supposed to have while not even knowing if they're even happy. And so I think what I've, why I call it radically content 
is it's all about having your version of contentment, not my version, but your own version of it. And really letting go of these societal expectations, which is what is driving a lot of us and recognizing within what we actually want to bring to fruition. What do we actually want? Like maybe you think you want this big business and you have like 20 employees. Cause that's like the thing that everybody says is so impressive. Like, Oh, you, now you have 20 employees. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, but then you'll just be stressed having to, like, you're not listening to yourself or like, maybe you're being offered a promotion that you're not actually going to enjoy that work. Like one time I got a promotion And I just became a manager. And so I stopped doing the thing that I was even hired to do and was just managing other people doing. And I was like, I I made mistakes here. Like, I don't want to be managing people, you know, but it was like, I thought that was the next step in what I'm supposed to do. And so when I talk about being radically content, I talk about this idea of having a strong foundation of loving yourself and your life how far you've come celebrating small wins all of these things taking taking the small pleasures and the simplicity of life as like the romance of life like mm. it's it make those make those moments even bigger notice like how beautiful your life currently is and then from there that's the foundation that's the groundwork What wants to come to fruition? What do you still want to do? Like if it's no longer trying to prove you're good enough because you already feel good enough, or it's no longer trying to prove that you have worth because you already feel you have worth internally, or it's no longer saying like my value is out there. I determine my value inside. Then once that's like, and you, I mean, it's not a perfect thing. It's going to go up and down, but once you kind of got your handle on it, then go, well, what else do I want to do? Like, do I want to write a book? Like, do I, do I want to start a business? Do I want to be a musician? Do I want to, do I even want to live where I'm currently living or do I want to live somewhere else? You know, like, do I want to go do something else that I never even thought of because I was so entrenched in how I thought my life was supposed to be. And I think that was the missing part when people talk about contentment, because it makes it seem like, We'll just be content and chill and never do anything. Yeah, and it's no. like, but we want to do things. Like we like most people really like to be challenged. They like to, they like to have dreams. We like to have goals. Like it may it gives us purpose to have goals. I mean, even when we were humans with you know none of this technology, people had goals, right? And so then it becomes like these are your real genuine goals. And they're not goals where you're trying to prove something to someone else or prove your value, prove your worth, gain external love or any of those things. Then you just get to do it and enjoy it and do it for the challenge. It's almost like being content with intention. Yeah, definitely. I also have another example. My old boss, my first boss and mentor figure of mine, and he's a listener of the podcast, so hopefully he enjoys us. He has been in sales for a broadcaster for many, many years. And he reached reached a level where he said, I'm content. Like, I love my job. I actually don't want to go to the next position because you mentioned the, the next position up. He could go there. He doesn't want to go there. He's happy where he is. He's content. He's content with intention. And I, I love that. I mean, I mean, I think some of the attributes of, of contentment are obviously satisfaction, but also discipline. 
knowing when to say, no, no, this is good for me. So, yeah, I love that. Wow. And like knowing when to say to yourself, this is enough for me. And I don't want to keep optimizing. I don't want to keep, you know, I would like to like, this has happened to me where I have seasons. The more that I'm tuned into myself, I have seasons of my life where I'm like, we're not building anything here. We're just going to enjoy where we've gotten to. Like, what is the point of growth, evolvement, achievement, all of this, if I don't even sit in it and enjoy it and celebrate myself with how far I've come. And I'm just like, on to the next, the next goal, the next thing. It's like, if that really truly like gives you joy to, to, to think like that and work like that. Awesome. But most people, it doesn't. And most Mm -hmm. people, it means that they don't even celebrate the smaller things. I think people get scared of celebrating the smaller things because they think, well, that's not enough yet. I want Mm -hmm. the bigger thing. And it's like, well, those are, those lead you. Like I can tell you, if you celebrate every small thing, the big things, they're even even more exciting because you can actually feel it. And it's not, you know, I used to wait for like, I can't celebrate until I've got the big thing landed or anything. And then once I got the big thing, I have so much pressure on it to be the thing that I was like, oh, now I have all this anxiety about it. And so I think like, yeah, really noticing. And I, I mean, I think like living with intention is the cornerstone of all of this is really knowing like where your time is going and encouraging yourself to use your time in a more intentional way, you know, know why you're doing certain things. Like we don't, sometimes I feel like we just don't question it. We just go, Hmm. well, no, I have to do this. And this is the plan. And I should have already done it already. And it's like, says who says what, why? Yeah. Yeah. Because you saw some person already do it. And now you feel like, there's pressure on you. Like I kept asking myself, there was a lot of things that I was like, Jamie, you came up with this plan out of nothing. And now you're disappointed Mm -hmm. that your plan based on no reality at all, hasn't gone the way that you expected it to. Like you're setting yourself up for suffering for no real reason. So yeah, I mean, oh, I love that example of your mentor. I mean, that that's it, you know? And like, that's being like in control of your life. Even when you don't have all the control, that's you saying like, you know what? I'm good. I don't want to, I'm not getting on the, you know, I'm not playing the game with that. Everyone else seems to be playing. And I think that that's, that's just like really profound. I think there, this is a great time to actually mention an article that you wrote in the Huffington Post back in 2016 that went viral. It's titled, To Anyone Who Thinks They Are Falling Behind in Life. And in this piece, you talk about how we all need to give ourselves permission to be human and move at our own pace. And this is the article I read many years ago. And so I was very excited when I saw your name attached to it. So I'm curious for our listeners, our ambitious listeners who can relate to this feeling, what advice would you give them to let go of these feelings of being behind? I would say that you think it's serving you. You think it's the thing pushing you. Like if you let go of that, it's like, that's the thing that's motivating you. But I can tell you that loving your journey, loving yourself, being accepting where you're at in a real way, it works better. You'll end up not only enjoying the process of whatever you're trying to bring to fruition, but you'll enjoy where you're going and you'll be able to trust that 
it's all working out for you. That like, even when something is falling apart, it's meant to fall apart. Sometimes we have to let it fall apart so that something else can come in its space. Like this idea that we're trying to control every aspect and trying to, you know, force ourselves to come up with ideas and inspiration and this, I mean, there's something to be said about discipline, but there's Mm -hmm. also something to be said about if it's not coming, it's not coming, you know, like, and that's okay. That's really okay. Because you're supposed to, you're not supposed to be done. Like, it's not like you hit 30 and you're done. Like, that's just, you're just more of your life is coming more wisdom, more things. And so I think this idea of falling behind is just a total societal construct and it's completely not based in any reality, but when you subscribe to it, that's when you hit like a certain age and you go, well, I guess it's time for me to give up. I'm not supposed to do this. And you think that that's backed up by some sort of evidence, but really it's not because you can just keep going. Maybe you have to rearrange how you think about it. Maybe you have to uh, support yourself in different ways and not make that mean anything about your talent or worth at all, but don't give up. Don't give up on yourself because of these expectations that you didn't ask for. Like you, this is just told to you and reinforced, but you don't have to believe it. Like Mm -hmm. that's just, that's what society values, but you don't have to value yourself through their lens. You can opt out of the hustle culture and the comparison trap, or you you can manage it better. I'm aware when I do it. Lauren, my co-host is aware when she does it. And I continually tell Lauren, because I always have to remind her, I say, it's better to go slow than fast in the wrong direction as well. A lot of people, they'll go so fast. It's like, they're competing, they're competing, but it's like, who are you competing against? Like you're competing against yourself. And I, I love your example of, oh, I want to write a book before I'm 30. And now you're releasing your first book and, and you're around my age, mid thirties. I mean, it's, everybody has a different timeline. Things happen at certain times. It's, it doesn't matter. We don't have to be X age and accomplish X by this age. You don't have to like, let go of that and everything else will come when it comes, right? And that weight will be lifted off your shoulders. And that's one of the things that I loved about your book. And I was talking to a friend recently about how I believe that I argue after reading your book that ambition plus contentment would equal greater success because I think ambition with lack of contentment will leave us burnt out, unsatisfied because we'll have these crazy expectations and it's like an unhealthy competition. Like it's, it's not healthy. And you know, I, I definitely deal with it. It's I'm still managing it. As you said, it's like an ongoing lifestyle, just like the minimalist lifestyle. You have to continually manage these emotions, but, but I see that you agree with me. So this is great. I feel like that's beautifully articulated. That's so exactly it. I mean, I am proof that it works better. Like when mm. you're more content, when you're more satisfied, I have genuinely made more money, gotten more Instagram followers, done more for my business, for my career, written more books, written, done more things and all with joy, all joyfully instead of pressure. And I'm not saying those are all the things we should all strive for. I'm just saying when people are trying to be convinced instead of, you know, when they're thinking like, no, I got to have that pressure. I got to be dissatisfied. I got to push myself. Mm -hmm. 
I'm like, I'm living proof that it actually works better. And like, imagine if I had said to myself at 30, like, don't even think about writing a book because it's over. I wouldn't have experienced the magic of writing this book, of writing Radically Content and what it's already, you know, what it's doing in the world. I wouldn't have been able to experience that. And I actually feel like the timing was perfect because I'm much more able to enjoy the waiting for, you know, and enjoy the time that it, it, what it took to write it and enjoying like promoting it and putting it out into the world because I'm not sitting here going, every book sale or not book sale is telling me if I'm worthy or valuable. And if I'm proving myself, I'm just like, I'm just experiencing it and enjoying it and letting it be. And it just feels so much better. And also it works better. Like more things are happening. More things are just coming into my life that I had, you know, that I'm not forcing. And because my life, I'm not, I'm feeling very, very good in my everyday life instead of this constant like ticker tape of pressure that Mm -hmm. I used to feel and being hard on myself. I'm like my ally to myself now, which feels so different. It's not like, you know, everything is filtered through like, you're doing great. (laughs) Like, I love you unconditionally to myself, you know, instead of like, you're the worst. Why are you not doing better? How are you not enough yet? And I was like, cool. So that, I thought that was motivating. Yeah. Even, even you just speaking to me right now, what I love most is that you are so present and that is the most beautiful thing about living this way. You are very at peace with where you are and who you are. And that enables you to be present with me. Like I I always want the people I'm around to feel like I am present. I'm listening. I'm there. And I think letting go of all these societal shoulds will help you be that person. And I think that's one of the, the best benefits that come with being content with intention. Thank you for listening. I hope that this conversation has left you feeling more at ease and inspired to embrace contentment and cultivate a more intentional and happier every day. And if you enjoyed this discussion and want to hear more, please click the link in the show notes to find the original one hour plus episode. And there you can also find links to learn more about Jamie and her writings, including her book, Radically Content. And to close, if you don't follow us on social media already, you can find us at Millennial Minimalists on Instagram and Facebook, and you can learn more about us, our closet decluttering e-guide, and our weekly virtual group and one-on-one closet decluttering courses on our website at mastersimplicity.com, which you can also find in our show notes. And lastly, I want to take a moment to say a big thanks to those of you who have written us a kind five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We get so excited every time we see a new review come in and your words help us bring on more exciting guests like Jamie. So thanks again for listening and I will speak with you next week. Bye-bye.